Truth News Network. Fake news, equity, inclusion, words that are all the buzz. You do know what buzz is, right? It's noise. And that's where we're headed. A culture of noise. More concerned with the topicality of the noise than the substance of the truth. Well, we're TNN, the Truth News Network. And you're in luck. The anti-buzzmaster is in. Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. And joining us right now, if I can get him on the line, uh, are you, let's see, are you there, Congressman? Let me get you queued up here. You've been in media. You know how it works when you sit here. you got to have everything just right. And uh, I just want to welcome you today to TNN Live. Do I have you there? There you are. Yeah, can you hear me? I got you now. I'm sorry. Congressman Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District in Northwest Louisiana, we welcome you as always to TNN Live. And let me say this. I don't know another member of the House of Representatives that's busier than you are, especially of late. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, Well, it feels that way. You're under the gun. All the committee hearings that you had, I mean, we could sit here and name them ad nauseum. So many important things. We respect your time. We're very thankful when you can uh, come and join us on the show. So let's dig right in. I want to ask you a few questions, kind of point you in a direction, and then as you feel led, just move on. What is your take? And I know you were part of this conversations. What's your take on the validity of what the IRS whistleblowers testified regarding Hunter and Joe Biden? Well, we put a lot of stock in what the IRS whistleblowers have said because, uh, as you know, they were intimately involved, have been intimately involved in the investigations. And they expressed their frustration to Congress under oath. These are not, you know, partisan individuals. In fact, um, it's quite the opposite, uh, given their background and their testimony, explaining who they are and their, their own personal political proclivities and who they voted for in the past, what they came forward to tell us is that they're impeded in doing their jobs. They have uncovered this rather explosive evidence of Hunter Biden's uh, misdeeds and uh, you know illegal activity, and they have been told by people up the chain that they're not allowed to pursue it. I mean, that's in, in simple terms, that's what we have. And the big question is, why? Well, if, it, if, if, if Hunter's last name was not Biden, if it was Newman or Johnson or any other name, the guy would be in prison. Everybody knows that. Um, but... Because he has is part of the first family, you're watching in live time a complete double standard. There are indeed literally two tiers of justice in this country, one for the first family and one for everybody else. And uh, it could not be on more vivid display, especially with what they're doing with Trump and all these other things. And the people are just they're just fed up with it. They're dismayed. They're they're not shocked anymore because nothing surprises us. But people are concerned. We may not be able to maintain this system of justice if this is how the DOJ acts. There's no question the DOJ has weaponized itself against all of us. Nobody seems to be exempt. And this goes far beyond nepotism. You know, the president and his son. It goes counter to the rule of law in the country, of which, by the way, I know you'll agree that this president and many in his administration don't give a rip about the rule of law. I heard your back-and-forth conversation last week with Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. This guy 
has no commitment to the rule of law and just thumbs his nose every day. Which, by the way, anybody constitutionally that chooses to ignore or go against federal law is complicit in the law breaking itself. That puts Mayorkas right in the line of fire for any accountability at whatever point we'll be able to, to hold him accountable for. Do you see that as a possibility? And by the way, you did a great job questioning him. Well, thanks. I, um, it was hard for me to keep my religion in the Mayorkas hearing. I mean, the guy is, in my view, I mean, he's effectively public enemy number one. You, you trace so many of the societal ills and the things going wrong in our country right now, the, the, the fentanyl death crisis, you know, the leading cause of death for Americans aged 18 to 49, human trafficking, you know, um, the cartels operating uh, like like heads of state, making billions of dollars in, in, the, in the free flow of illegals. Probably the estimates are over 5 million in the last two years since these two, you know, Biden and Americans took their offices. But we really believe the number is probably at least twice that high. I mean, this is, you know, those are the encounters that have been lodged at the border. But they say there's about 1.9 million gotaways on top of that number, but we know it's far more than that. I mean, we've caught 114 people on the terrorist watch list. We don't know how many of them have been captured and where they are in the country and what they're doing. I mean, all these things are traced back to one guy, well, two people, the president, but Andrew Mayorkas in particular, because he's the secretary of the department in charge of this, and they instituted policies. These didn't happen accidentally or because we're inept. It happened because they instituted policies to open that border up and allow this to happen. And he sits in front of a stand with a smug look on his face, lying under oath virtually every time he opens his mouth. And he does not care because he doesn't think he's going to be accountable. The guy should have been impeached a long time ago. I called for his impeachment four months after he took the oath to office when it became apparent what he was doing. But we only have the majority, the Republican Party, in one house. Uh, we have a small majority of that, one of the smallest in the history of the Congress. And, and Chuck Schumer and the Democrats are never going to convict any of these Biden administration officials uh, on an impeachment trial in the Senate. I mean, we, I would be shocked if they do that. I mean, you could catch them with a dead, you know, with, with a dead body. They're not going to do it. So Mayorkas knows that. And he also knows that all the scrutiny that's been focused on him is now being uh, pushed up the chain. I mean, we're talking about Merrick Garland himself, the attorney general who presides over all this, by the way, who has hopelessly corrupted the Department of Justice and has all these untold terrible effects. And then, and now, you know, the president himself, they're all, they're all committing offenses that probably fit squarely within the constitutional definition of impeachment. So Mayorkas knows that he's not the biggest fish anymore. And so he just stands in front of us and says things that he knows are not true. And I, at one point, you might've seen one of those clips, Dan, I just told him, Jim Jordan yielded me about 30 seconds at the end of his questioning, and I said, I just, I don't have time for a question because you'll evade it, Mr. Mayorkas, but I just want to say, I've been on the House Judiciary Committee for seven years. You are by far the most dishonest witness that has ever appeared before us, and I, and it's shameful, but you have no shame. I mean, you know, I don't know, he, you can't shame the guy. He doesn't care, and that, that's, it keeps us up at night. It's so frustrating for us. We played that clip here at TNN Live, and we got a lot of input from it. People are just hacked off. It's sad that yeah. our government knows they can't be held accountable, especially Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, Mayorkas, and others for their wrongdoing right now because we can't have an impeachment trial. Democrats are not, even if the House could forward over some articles of impeachment on any or all of them, 
the Senate's not going to vote to convict and put these people out of work, and they know that. And in the meantime, our nation is falling apart at the seams in a lot of areas, and they don't seem to care. That's what troubles the American people the most. They don't seem to care. So let me ask you this. Let's go back just for a minute. I've, I I want to segue into the um, the Donald Trump stuff that's happening with Special Counsel Jack Smith. But before we go there, is there concrete evidence already that proves there really are legitimate bribery allegations against Joe Biden? We know about Hunter. What about the president? Yes, uh, that is that is the question, and and the reason we ask that question, the reason you are, and you know, for listeners, you have a very savvy audience. I know that, but um, let me let me say this before I answer that. Okay, impeachment is not a tool to be wielded lightly, right? It is the most serious consequential power that Congress holds, and and even though House Democrats made a mockery of it, you know, the impeachments of of, of, of Donald Trump, you know, as you remember, I was on the impeachment defense team twice, and we uh, cried from the rooftops about how this was a uh, this would destroy our system because they used it for political purposes. And, and so House Republicans have a totally different view. I mean, we acknowledge the weight of impeachment inquiry, which I think we're going to start soon. Um, it, when we do that, I'll be helping to lead that because I'm on the Committee of Jurisdiction and, and Judiciary. We're going to be very sober-minded, you know, as we continue those investigations in the Biden family. And we know the political realities that you just recounted. I mean, you know, we have to make the case that we have to do the job now why does the house why are we taking this as seriously as we are with regard to bribery because it, it, many people forget in the impeachment clauses of the constitution itself okay article one section two gives the house the house of representatives the the, the sole power of impeachment i mean we are the ones who are to bring those articles forward we have to do it and when is that triggered well one of the listed causes is in article two of the constitution section four it says the president and others shall be removed from office on impeachment for or conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now they tried to they tried to, to to turn twist and turn and spin and say that you know that there's crazy allegations against Trump for high crimes and misdemeanors to try to fit that definition. It was all bogus. Everybody knows it now. But bribery is what it is. And if Joe Biden has indeed been involved in Hunter's crooked business dealings. It's very likely. I mean, they've been paid millions of dollars by the family through all these shell companies and everything else from Why? What did they get for that? Well, Devin Archer testified earlier this week that they were selling the brand. Well, what is the brand? The Biden brand is Joe Biden. At the time that these deals were done, he was vice president. Why was the family getting paid? They were being bribed so that they could exert influence over things that these oligarchs and foreign adversaries were involved in. I mean, you don't have to be a forensic scientist to figure this out. Everybody knows what's going on. So as the investigations continue, as the whistleblowers come forward, as the evidence is uncovered, it is painting a clearer and clearer picture of what we have. And if indeed this is true, and I think it is, we have no choice, Dan. It doesn't doesn't matter what the political calculation is, pro or con. We have a constitutional responsibility in the House to pursue articles of impeachment if the president was involved in bribes. And, and you're talking to one member of Congress who's convinced that he's Getting what I think you meant when you said that is that there's a good chance now that there will be an impeachment proceeding against Joe Biden, at least in the House. If that happens, 
if it does happen, is it going to happen uh, near near time, or are we looking at middle of next year before the election? Your thoughts there? Well, I, I don't want to get out over my skis and, and answer either of those questions affirmatively this morning. Okay, and the reason okay. is it's not a political answer, but it, it isn't my call, right? So I, I'm the vice chairman of the House Republicans. I'm in House leadership. I'm I'm uh, high ranked on the. Uh, on the House Judiciary Committee that has jurisdiction, and, and I'm the chairman of the subcommittee on the Constitution, which technically is where all this should begin. Okay, so you know my personal opinion, yes. but I don't get to make the I don't get to pull the trigger. It's not my job. It's the Speaker's job, right? Now, now Kevin has said, Kevin McCarthy has said, in recent days, he said right before, uh, you know, last week, the end of July, he said it, it it is beginning to appear that an impeachment inquiry is called for here. And I certainly believe that's true. And the inquiry is the kind of first step in that process where the Congress has greater discovery authority, subpoena authority, et cetera. It puts it all on steroids. And if anything ever merited that in the history of the country, this this set of circumstances does. Okay, so I think that's Kevin's personal view as well. What he has said is he doesn't want to make a unilateral decision. He wants to make it, you know, Congress-wide. Well, reality is what he means is Republican conference-wide because we're not going to get a single Democrat to go along on this. Okay, so which means if if he's going to if he's going to make a consensus decision in the House, we've got to get enough Republicans to agree that now is the time to move. All right, so there's a lot of things that have to happen for that to take place. I'm one of the guys who believes that time is of the essence and we have to move urgently. Um, but but as you and I know, once you open the barn doors and impeachment inquiry, I think I know where it's going to lead. Right. So the question is, how long does it take? When do we get to that point? You know, we are going to do this by the book. And I know that frustrates a lot of our friends and, 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 and supporters and people in the base because they want they just want to go get this done. Well, I want to get it done, too, whatever it is, whatever the appropriate constitutional thing is. But I want to do it in a way that is honorable, lawful and right, because it needs to be for posterity, for the future, for the defense of the Constitution and the salvation of the Republic, we've got to get back to the rule of law, you know? And so it it, it may move slower than, than some people want, um, even myself, <laughs> but we have to do it the right way. And so that means doing our due diligence, doing a prop, the proper investigations, following the leads and the truth where it takes us. And wherever that is, that, that's going to be, I think, at least I'm going to advocate uh, for us to do so. So I know that sounds like a long answer to a very simple short question but it the simple answer is we're going to follow the rule of law and i'm going to be jumping up down screaming insisting that we do because it matters it's this is bigger than joe biden or the current situation or what they're doing to trump it's about maintaining that this republic that we have and we can't keep it if we abandon the rule of law you mentioned Devin archer just a couple of minutes ago for our audience, the full transcript, 141-page transcript of that meeting that happened Monday with the House Oversight Committee with Devin Archer, it was just released, and we have all 141 pages posted on our website, truthnewsnet.org. You can go grab and download them there. Let's segue, and I'm going to respect your time as we always do, but I can't let you get away without talking about the 900-pound gorilla in the room. Do you think there's any merit in any of Jack Smith's three indictments of Donald Trump so far? And we're told now a fourth one is likely to occur later today. Is there any merit in any of this? Jack Smith has proven to be a political hack. I mean, it's look at the timing of what he's done. 
it's no surprise that the day after Devin Archer's extraordinary testimony to the oversight committee, the DOJ dropped more charges against President Trump. But we should have expected it, right? I mean, in, he did it in June, he did it in July, again this month. Every time there's a big development in our House investigations of Hunter Biden and the first family's crooked business. Activity, and that's what it is. But they're trying to distract the country from the real problem, and that is that President Biden is in serious trouble. I, look, what they're doing, let me circle back to where you began this conversation, because I think at the end of the day, that's the main thing. This is a perilous moment in the history of our country, because there is now a widespread lack of faith in our critical institutions themselves. And Jack Smith is like, a, is like an arsonist to the system of justice, and, and Merrick Garland is boss. And they all ultimately, of course, answer to the, the head of the executive branch, which is President Biden himself. The, the, the Biden DOJ, first they politicized their criminal justice system. They started doing that from day one. And now, now they're literally trying to criminalize political speech and behavior. I mean, the Biden DOJ is doing serious and lasting damage with these political hit jobs. And I, the DOJ is just, they constantly excuse the first family at the same time that they are relentlessly pursuing and seeking to destroy President Biden's top rival, and that's President Trump. I mean, everybody sees that. Everybody. You, it's irrefutable. And so we've got a real risk now, uh, Dan. I hear from people all day long. I mean, millions of Americans may never can't trust our justice system. It will take us years to restore that trust and, and serious, serious reform. And I, 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 that's what bothers me. I mean, that is what keeps me up at night at the end of the day. We are losing the faith in the system of justice itself and all this nonsense. And it's only going to get it's only going to get more heated in the months to come. Two questions, and I'll let you get away. One is, first of all, I've heard a couple of legal beagles talk about the January 6th indictment. This could give Donald Trump an opportunity, a real opportunity to open up and really re-litigate election fraud in the 2020 election because that's part of what this is all about, the way that he reacted to the alleged election fraud. Now, I know the popular thing up there in, in Washington, D.C. is to lay low, and I'm not asking you to dig in. But if that should happen, that would give Trump the chance to uh, ask for documents, get the court to force the other side in these states, the big states where the results were finalized, and get people on record and at least give, if nothing else, give an explanation to the court of why Trump was so upset about that. Do you think there's any merit there? Well, sure. I mean, they, they could have opened a Pandora's box because you're right, as a defendant, under these charges as they're specified, I mean, he has the right to defend himself. And part of that is that question. What 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 was the the trustworthiness of the 2020 election, you know, in, in these key states. I mean, I know, look, I, I personally can tell you that Donald Trump believes that that election was stolen from him. This is not like a talking point. I know that there were people telling him that he lost legitimately, but there was a whole other group of people telling him that he, that he didn't. And I mean, to this day, I believe, he talks about it all the time. He, he thinks he was cheated. I talked to him, he called me, uh, probably four days after the election on my cell. 
and ranted and ranted and ranted. he was so mad. What are we going to do about it? He, he, he is convinced that, that election was stolen from him uh, because of a lot of different hygiene places. Okay, so the question is, the first question is, though, Dan, is the is the judge presiding over the case going to allow that latitude to go into all that? I mean, you would suspect the judge would try to keep it, uh, you know, keep the inquiry tight. But I think the president and his lawyers have a great argument today that to, in order to properly defend himself against these bogus charges, that is a, a very relevant question, right? They're trying to say, Jack Smith is trying to say the president's been lying to everybody as if that's a crime anyway. Um, and, and that, um, you know, he knew one thing and said another. Well, Donald Trump then gets to prove what he believes and why. And so, I, you know, it's perfectly legitimate. It would be a total circus in the court, which I think the judge would try to prevent. But, um, but you know, the, at the end of the day, let me just say this from, from, a, from a partisan perspective. I, I, I regret all of this. I think that what Jack Smith is trying to do is to use this and maybe all these issues as a distraction. They would rather us relitigate 2020 than talk about Joe Biden's abject failures as a president of the United States. And every second that all of us spend talking about these, you know, charges against Trump and his upcoming trials is less time we spend. T- we're talking about the economy and the open border and, you know, every every crisis is a crisis in every area of public policy. But we're going to we're not going to be talking about that. Right? We're not going to prosecute the political case against Joe Biden because we're going to be talking about the criminal charges against Trump. And I think that's a disservice to the people of this country. And I think more and more people at the end of the day are going to throw their arms out and go, what's the point? I'm just I'm just I'm just unplugging. I'm not involved in politics anymore, you know, and and that's the great concern we all have. You're an attorney, constitutional attorney. You've done a lot on the national level with everything that goes into this upcoming trial, all of the discovery and the discovery requirements that everybody that gets into this has got classified clearance to look at documents, to talk to witnesses, et cetera. Is there any possibility, even a remote one, that we'll actually see a trial begin on May 20th, as it's set to do right now? Uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, the, the president's attorneys have uh, lots of motions to file. There's a lot of preliminary kind of uh, issues that have to be resolved with the court. Um, in this latest, uh, you know, matter, they're going to try to remove it from uh, the District of Columbia and, and move it to West Virginia or some other federal court. Of appropriate jurisdiction because the president has obviously a fantastic claim to make that he can't get a fair trial in D.C. I mean, that's it's almost like a, the thing speaks for itself. So um, you, you'll see lots of decisions preliminarily. Some of those may be appealable. I mean, I, I think that this could drag out for quite a while, but obviously they want to set this for next summer, next fall, right in the middle of the heat of the campaign. Donald Trump is presumed to you know, is going to be the nominee party. And uh, what, what better joy could they have? of all that you know um it's shameful uh what they've done and, and I, speaking of pandora's boxes i think they, they they truly have the democrats have truly opened the ultimate pandora's box now and you, um it's a real problem for us going forward have you interfaced with trump recently about what's going on right now i haven't no i haven't spoken to him personally in a couple months um i mean i you know his his uh assistance you know call on all of us and talk to us all the time but sure um, I haven't, I haven't interacted with him. I've, I've been a little busy in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, your staff, by the way, is really, really good. And they're running rabid behind you trying to keep up. Congratulations yeah. to them. 
uh, we had a we had a difficulty putting this get together because of your schedule. And I'm appreciative as are our people that listen in. We have a big audience today, and it'll go up on our website, and there'll be multiple downloads. Uh, it's really good for us when you can take time and come visit with us. We're all over the world, actually, but we have a big audience in your district, and we're always glad when you come. Thanks for doing that. You got it, my friend. Keep doing the good work. We appreciate you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Congressman Mike Johnson. Um, you could listen and tell that he has got a lot going on. And I apologize for the poor connection. He's in his car, obviously. And apparently there's a lot of background noise. He's an ex-radio guy, Mike is. And he's got a great radio presentation. And normally, every other time he's come on this show, he's usually sitting in his office or if he's in a car, he's sitting still. And the quality is always really good. We will put this in its entirety. We will post it on the website, truthnewsnet.org. If you want to grab it, actually, we created a brand new story that has that 141-page transcript from that hearing that uh, happened on Monday with Devin Archer. And then right below that will be the link to pull down this interview with Mike Johnson. Let me just say this. We always have a full show here at TNN Live, and we really do today. Something happened yesterday that shocked many in the world. It shocked me. Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson somehow got Devin Archer to come sit down with him, and we have the full back and forth between Tucker Carlson on Tucker on Twitter from yesterday afternoon with Devin Archer, and we're going to get into that for you in just a couple of minutes. You do your thing and you do it well. Now it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They, they toasted six-month-old aged cheddar right onto the, the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both. And now it comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is, this is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. 
M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. No identity politics. No political elitism. Read and hear the truth. Always sourced from facts. Real truth. Real news. TNN. The Truth News Network. Always sourced from facts. You know, more and more, I get all kinds of comments, texts and emails, and even people grabbing me when I'm out on the streets, complaining about all the lies that they're hearing every day. And it's given to the American people by networks like MSNBC, CNN, even ABC, CBS, and NBC, the big ones. And of course, in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other left-wing rags, they spew all the lies, the political thuggery, and they do so with impunity. You know why? They're not being held accountable for the content of what they share with the American people. So they do it with impunity. And if you think about it, we're talking about people that are in business. Now, don't get tricked into thinking that all those anchors giving the news and those guests that come on to pontificate about this and about that, don't think for a second they're not doing that for financial purposes. Oh, here we go. Literally, if you don't have a bunch of money in the bank or somebody with really deep pockets that is funding your network that doesn't care about profit, (laughs) if you don't have that, you're going to have to sell what you're doing. And there is an audience of people that are mind-numbed or they're lazy and they don't want to go dig for themselves and find some facts about the horrible things that are happening in our government. So their go-to place is CNN. After all, that's the very first news network, online news network that ever came about. So surely those people are credible. And then the offshoots from there, MSNBC, NBC. Do you know that there are some days... Some days when really big things are happening, I I haven't seen the numbers of people that uh, were listening to Congressman Johnson this morning, but there are always a bunch more people then because people are really interested in hearing from people that give factual information. But money drives the boat. So why did they just spew the venom that they spew? It sells. It sells. That means ad revenue. That means these anchors and others can demand good contracts and more money. Still, and I'm going to blow your mind with this, you know who the highest paid guy in news media is today? Think about it for just a second. On Fox, Tucker's gone. Sean Hannity. Now, why would Sean Hannity be so highly paid. Think about it. He has his own show on radio. He owns that show. Hmm. How about that? Then he's on Fox every night. $67 million last year. Sean Hannity's income. That, I think you'll agree, is not a bad day (laughs) or a bad year. But there's a difference. You have the hacks over at CNN and MSNBC. Don't make anything close 
to that kind of money. Why is that? Because there are audiences that turns into ratings, that turns into commercials. Their audiences are minuscule. I started to tell you, there are days, especially when we have big stories on exclusives, many times when Steve Baker joins us on Tuesday in our second hour, we have a larger audience than does CNN. Think about that. Why is it? Because Americans are hungry for facts. We're tired of all of this, he said, she said, this blame, this lash out with allegations. And then we're not stupid. We look at the landscape of what we're facing right now, which is no question that it's nothing more than pure thuggery. Leaders in the Democrat Party, they are petrified of Donald Trump getting back in office as president. They don't want him anywhere close to Washington, D.C., unless it's in a courtroom, and he's going to be sent to jail out of that courtroom. That's all they care about. We could sit here and go through circumstance and example after example and circumstance that proves what I'm saying here. They are horrified. You know why? Say what you want to about Donald Trump. Yeah, I hate his messaging. I do. I don't like the way he messages. I don't like the fact that he calls people names. My brother, who's a longtime pastor, he's very conservative. He loves Donald Trump. But from the very beginning of Donald Trump, when he first went to the White House, my brother actually asked me to write a letter. And I did, to President Trump at the time. And I sent it, and I, I actually I sent it to his daughter, and I have a software that shows me on an email, when it's open, I get a note that it was opened, what day and what time, and if they forwarded it on. And Ivanka did that. So I know it was there, but in it, he gave the president his full support for everything. But he made this point. He asked the president if he could just not be so nasty in his personal attacks against his political opponents because it's alienating a lot of Christians. And I pointed out to my brother, looking back at the run-up to the 2016 election in which Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, everybody knows that story, why did that happen? Hillary was by far the most qualified politician in the race. And that's exactly why Trump was elected. He is, and he was then too, the antithesis to American politicians. He is everything that politicians cannot be. Many of them want to be like Donald Trump. There's a lot of jealousy there. He's proven to be very successful in big businesses And you don't do that for 40, 50 years unless you have a lot of experience. And the big thing that Donald Trump has that Joe Biden can't even think about having and numerous other political folks, including some that are running for president today, they don't have the ability to share empathetically with voters with everyday people. There are stories all over the place that have been confirmed. Mainstream media won't carry them. 
where Donald Trump secretly helped people in dramatic fashions, not recently, but for decades, just because they needed help. Many of them were employees. A lot of them were people he didn't even know. But they had a need. He saw it. When he saw it, he just acted and did not want. In fact, he abhorred getting public information about those things that he did. Now, there's something significant in that. And Americans see it. You can call mega, mega people, whatever you want to call them. But they see it. It resonates with them. And there is substance there. And they're looking at what we're seeing play out on the national stage and international stage as Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the one that is pulling this horrible litigation against Donald Trump. Joe Biden got Merrick Garland. It is proven it's factual to take on his political opponent because Joe Biden understands the difference now between himself as president and Donald Trump. And Joe Biden is afraid. He is afraid Trump is not only going to beat him if they get together in this election, but he's going to trounce him. And let me tell you this one last thing that proves what I just said about Joe Biden. He doesn't understand the difference. More Americans look at Donald Trump compared to Joe Biden And for that matter, compared to anybody else in this race or in the last two, he's got more substance than anybody else. And most politicians don't understand that. Oh, they they know there's something different, and they can't understand it. Why would, I heard this a hundred times, why would anybody vote for Donald Trump? He, He was a womanizer. He was nasty to people. He said horrible things about people. Yeah, guess what? Most Americans are guilty of that themselves from time to time. I've I've had a pet answer. Anytime and every time someone has asked me if I voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020. And I don't shy away from it. Yes, not only did I vote for him, I supported him. And I explain why, just like I explained it to you, and they'll shake their head and say, I can't believe you're you're a Christian, Dan. How could you vote for somebody like that? And I pick this up, and this is my answer, if they ever take the questioning any further. The reason I voted for Donald Trump is because Jesus Christ wasn't on the ballot, nor was there anybody close to Jesus Christ on the ballot. Men and women alike, are not always perfect. Men and women alike that act like they're full of substance and humility and love and affection and honesty, men and women alike that show those things many times, they're not really that way. They're hiding it. (laughs) If you ever had a question on any issue and you see Donald Trump or hear Donald Trump and you wonder how he feels about it. You don't have any idea. (laughs) Yeah, you do immediately. He lets the world know and Americans love that about him. Blue collar, middle-class Americans love that about Donald Trump. 
And <laughs> what's going to blow them away is this latest, this third pack of indictment content that was delivered yesterday afternoon. And we're told there's another one coming later today. That's just putting wood on the fire. And they honestly think, (laughs) they honestly think that at some point Trump's going to break and he's going to quit. Well, I I got the other day when this thing came out, I was told immediately, this judge in Washington, D.C., do you know, yesterday, if you weren't here, I'll tell you, I shared this yesterday. She worked for the law firm that Hunter Biden worked for. And also, when Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma, she lobbied Burisma. Can you believe that? The first thing the Trump folks are going to do is petition the court for a change of venue. And I will tell you this, she'll probably say no, but they're going to take it over her head. There is no way that woman should be over a trial for anybody with the last name Trump or anybody that was in the Trump administration, a fair trial? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What do you think? You heard um, my question to Mike Johnson about the possibility of this whole thing Jack Smith is doing, opening up Pandora's box regarding the 2020 election. Claudia Tenney, a member of the House of Representatives, was with Maria Bartiromo this morning, and that exact question came up. Former President Trump will be in a D.C. courtroom today at 4 p.m. Eastern. He is expected to plead not guilty on four charges related to the January 6th special counsel investigation. Trump writing on Truth Social yesterday, quote, the latest fake case brought by crooked Joe Biden and deranged Jack Smith will hopefully be moved to an impartial venue, such as the politically unbiased nearby state of West Virginia. Impossible to get a fair trial in Washington, D.C., which is over 95 percent anti-Trump. Joining me right now is near Congresswoman and member of the House Ways and Means Committee, Claudia Tenney. Congresswoman, it's good to see you. Thanks very much for being here. Uh, it's a, the, the right comment. It, it uh, has been speculated that Jack Smith wanted to take a uh, jury in D.C. for that very reason. Assess this case for us. Absolutely. Of course, there's uh, guaranteed he's going to get an indictment in D.C. Uh, they almost just have to say Donald Trump which is all you have to say to a Democrat and they say impeach or remove or put him in jail, which is what they're lusting for is putting Donald Trump in jail. But I actually think, Maria, this opens up something for Donald Trump. First of all, I think he can get this case removed because it's obviously not going to be a jury of his peers and a jury that is going to be fair. But I think Trump, as a defendant, could make this a huge case. He could roll this into uh, the election uh, that happened in 2020. He could bring witnesses in from all the states where it was a, a huge issue. Remember, this case or this decision uh, in 2020, uh, when when Trump uh, lost the, the, the race, was decided by about 42,000 votes in three swing states. So coming in and showing the election irregular Uh, and proving uh, that he believed that he still won the election, regardless of what anyone thinks. And I don't think anyone truthfully will ever know, but this opens up a can of worms for everything. Trump can go after everyone. I wouldn't even be surprised if we see him go after, uh, after Fauci for what he did in his role in interfering with this election. And all we see right now is serial 
interference with elections. That's what we're seeing with every one of these uh, issues, whether it's starting all the way back to the Russia collusion hoax, impeachment one, impeachment two, uh, the January 6th show trial, uh, the Mar-a-Lago raid. Now we have you know, every time good information comes out to link Joe Biden uh, to his son, Hunter, which is really what it's all about. Hunter is the proxy to get the money for the influence peddling. I mean, really, what is Joe Biden selling? You know what Joe Biden's selling? Influence. And not that that's anything unusual in Washington, but he used his son and then the money was laundered through. We see bribery potentially. Uh, all these charges could come all to light in a defense trial with Donald Trump. So I think the Democrats actually could have gone too far again on this issue. Wow, that's really interesting because you're talking about a length of time where President Trump could demand uh, depositions and discovery. That takes time. I mean, Jack Smith is talking about doing a trial in 90 days. Uh, would the president, would President Trump get a, a fair shot if, in fact, they, they shorten that time frame so much? Uh, or is he going to get the ample amount of time to do the discovery, get the emails, make sure his lawyers are up to speed on all the evidence? And if that's the case, doesn't that go beyond the time? time frame of one year, which is when the next election is happening. Well, Maria, who is a, 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 a district attorney or a charging officer, in this case, a special prosecutor, to decide how long a trial goes? Under our system of justice, defendants have rights. They have the right to subpoena. They have the right to bring witnesses. They have a right to prove that they're innocent. But the standard is that the defense or the, the, the prosecutor has to prove guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah. That's a really tough standard. And I, I don't see how they can create a, an artificial timeline. You've got to produce your evidence by now. You know, Trump could take this on forever. I just think it's a real mistake potentially for the Democrats. And, you know, it's one thing. There was a recent interview that Tucker Carlson was doing with Devin Archer, who just gave his bombshell testimony, basically talking about Joe and Hunter being in the same room. And he said, Hunter is the expert in knowing the guy. In this case, Hunter is the expert in knowing the big guy, because if you put together the bombshell testimony of the, that came out from the FBI informant from Senator Grassley, yeah. the two whistleblowers from the IRS, uh, thanks to Jason Smith uh, creating this whistleblower portal for IRS agents, and you put it together with the laptop and everything we know, this is a clear case against Joe Biden. It's really just dr trumped up at kind of ancient statutes being brought into play, not really relevant to Donald Trump. And you know what we're doing? We're criminalizing free speech. Yeah. A metaphor, you know, fight like hell now is a crime. Unbelievable. This is what our country was founded on. This is a real dangerous path we're going down it, it, uh, with this type of prosecution. It, it appears so, but you just hit on something that's been so obvious to so many of us. Every time there's serious evidence against this president, Joe Biden, and his family uh, through these 176 suspicious activity reports, massive whistleblower testimony, stunning testimony, or you know, bank records that indicate all those millions went into shell companies, which eventually made their way into Biden family accounts, the very next day, we get either an indictment of Trump or some extra charges of Trump. It's 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 very obvious that they're taking the story out of the, the mainstream media's headlines uh, so that the mainstream media has something else to cover. Even former President Obama warned President Biden about Trump's political strength during a private lunch meeting, apparently in June, we're told. It's according to the Washington 
Washington Post, Obama also vowed to do all he can to help President Biden's reelection, Congresswoman. So a couple of questions there for you. On the one hand, all of this noise around uh, important information about Biden, then you've got attacks on Trump the very next day. And what about this notion that some people are talking about that at the end of the day, Biden's not going to make it. He's going to pull out because of all of this, uh, like you said, bribery, racketeering allegations. And who will be the Democrat nominee? Is it Michelle Obama? Yeah, really curious that they would meet like that. But let's first of all, look at what you what you said. This is all coordinated and calculated by the most powerful government tech, arguably in the world. The Department of Justice is coordinating this. You can see Merrick Garland, who I think should be impeached and removed immediately for his malicious prosecution at this point. Uh, and, and whether you would like Trump or not, this is not what should happen to any citizen, let alone a former president. And then you have, it's interesting, you bring... President Obama really has a stake in Joe Biden staying there. You know, many people think that he's the scene. He's the guy behind the scenes. So maybe there is a Michelle Obama in the wings coming forward and they're setting this up and that they're allowing all. I say, you know, I said before, oh, maybe Obama's allowing this to happen to open the door for Michelle. Wow. Let Joe go. Let him get out of this thing without, uh, you know, by saving face. Well, we'll see. Congressman, it's good to see you this morning. Congressman Claudia Tenney, always a pleasure. Thank you. Two years ago. We predicted here at TNN Live that the Democrat Party candidate for president in 2024 will be Michelle Obama. And it looks like it may be setting up for that scenario. Well, day before yesterday, special counsel Jack Smith, right after he uh, put out that second batch of indictment problems for Donald Trump, he actually went on television and did an interview. And afterward, I don't know if you saw it, but he looked like a bedraggled nervous wreck. He was dripping with anger. And you could tell he's not a good public speaker because he tried to get loud thinking that that would make him more believable. But here's some things you need to understand. The very last time Jack Smith charged a politician, the case was so weak, it got tossed out of the U.S. Supreme Court unanimously. The Biden Justice Department is using obscure federal statutes to put a former president in prison for the rest of his life. Smith prosecuted then the Republican governor of Virginia, Bob McDowell, over getting some gifts, and he secured a conviction that the Supreme Court unanimously threw out. These charges are not bribery. They're not assault, not tax evasion, not sex trafficking. They're charging Donald Trump under the Act of 1866. Now, what's in it? That act was created and used against the Ku Klux Klan. And now they're using it against Donald Trump. And then that case going on down in Georgia, Atlanta, Jordan, Fulton County, the DA down there, Fannie Willis, announced in April a probe into his efforts to contest that state's result in the 2020 presidential election could lead to another Trump indictment. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg got a grand jury indictment against Trump in March in a case centered around an alleged $130,000 payout to porn star. Stormy Daniels in 2016. So what do we do here? If you're Donald Trump, what do you do? Con conversation a bit ago with uh, 
congressional member Mike Johnson of the 4th Congressional District. We asked him what's going on, and he said, it is all about their being horrified and petrified that Donald Trump might get back into the White House. And they can't imagine what the nation would look like. They don't give a rip about what it would look like for you and me economically. We wouldn't have 16% inflation like we did on Joe Biden's watch. Now, they'll, they'll say now, really, oh my, you know, but inflation's down now. It's down around 9%. Well, even if that is true, and it's true, it's still more than twice as much as it was when Joe Biden became president. And you and I are paying the price for all of that. So as you heard in our conversation with Mike Johnson, Devin Archer came and he didn't testify. It was a hearing, but it was kind of like just pass around the room, ask and answer questions. And it was closed door. The transcript has been released. It is now posted right now at truthnewsnet.org. It's 141 pages. You can open it there and read them, or you can download it. Feel free to do so, and you can see exactly what Devin Archer had to say. But we do know, and I haven't been able to read it because it came out just as we went on the air, Archer wasn't party to every conversation. Now, I thought he was, but every one of those conversations that included the big guy, he wasn't part of. In December of 2015, Hunter, then under pressure from Burisma owner Mikolo Zlochevsky and executive Vadim Porharsky, stepped away during one of these calls, stepped away from the phone to call Washington about Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin, who was investigating Burisma for corruption. Now, this is according to Oversight Committee Chair James Comer from Kentucky. Then-Vice President Biden was leading the Obama administration on U.S. policy about everything and anything in Ukraine. Hunter Biden, along with Zlochevsky and Porsarsky, called D.C. to discuss the matter. Comer wrote that from his notes from the meeting on Monday. Biden, Zlochevsky, and Porsarsky stepped away to make the phone call. This raises concerns that Hunter was in violation of the FARA Act, the Foreign Agents Registration Act. So, everybody leaves the room except Hunter. Hunter's the one that's talking on the phone with these other people. And if you do that, if you're an American and you do that, and you talk about or get involved in any kind of business support or political help or anything like that, before you do it, you're supposed to, by law, register with the U.S. State Department as a foreign agent. During a speech Joe Biden gave in Ukraine that same month, he mentioned the Office of the General Prosecutor desperately needs reform. Of course, he's talking about the Ukraine Office of the General Prosecutor. Archer also testified the value of adding Hunter to Burisma board was what Archer branded the brand, meaning then-Vice President Joe Biden. Again, that's according to Committee Chair Comer. Shokin was fired in 2016 after Joe Biden pressured then-President of Ukraine Petro Poroshenko to take 
him out. Take Shokin out. Archer told the committee, Hunter sold the illusion of access to his father. Though he noted the president only engaged in casual conversation and never once spoke about any business dealings. Now that's according to Democrat New York rep Dan Goldman. He's been the attack dog after this hearing on Monday, and he's been out there on every network saying there was no there there. Archer said never one time that Joe Biden was involved in business conversations with any of these people. So following Archer's testimony, Democrats have emphasized his statement that Joe Biden never spoke about business. I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but 141 page, the actual transcript of that meeting on Monday is now live at truthnewsnet.org. Go take a look. White House spokesman Ian Sams tweeted yesterday that House Republicans who say Archer's testimony confirmed Biden was not telling the truth when he said he had no knowledge of his son's business dealings are shamelessly lying, pointing out that Archer testified the president never discussed business dealings. Will anyone hold him accountable for their demonstrable dishonesty? Sams asked. If we start doing that, there won't be anybody in government in D.C. They'll all be gone. Not all of them. Most of them. Democrat Maryland Rep. Jamie Raskin, another lapdog for Joe Biden, likewise said in the statement that Archer noted the calls were not about Hunter Biden's business dealings. Mr. Archer explained he was not aware of any actual evidence of corruption, wrongdoing, or impropriety on the part of President Biden. And we'll see. We'll see what the facts show in that transcript. Oh, well, we'll talk about that in the morning after all of us have a chance to read that. As I told you, Mr. Archer got collared by Tucker Carlson, formerly of Fox News. Now he does Tucker on Twitter and has a massive audience. They got together yesterday and had a come to Jesus meeting. And guess what? We have that conversation for you. That and much more just ahead at TNN Live. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Sopransky. Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there with Southwest Airlines. Fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? 
Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all, cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste, and you're in love. Violence, screaming obscenities, heated arguments, angry crowds, roller derby, nah, election season, and your voice of calm is truthnewsnet.org. There'll probably be some spitting and clawing and fighting and cursing that happens between now and the 2024 election. I think this may be the most contentious election season we've ever lived through in this nation. There's so many things up in the air, so many moving parts. And it's just odd to me that the two leading candidates in the race are two people that are under fire from the other party. Think about that. Donald Trump. Nobody can credibly say that his opponent, the current president, is not throwing everything he possibly can, using, weaponizing the entire Justice Department against his opponent, Donald Trump. And then Trump's out there, and guess what Trump's doing? (laughs) He's just being Donald Trump. He's the same all the time. And that is largely the reason so many Americans identify with him, because he doesn't have everything right. He messes up. He says wrong things. We all know that. But based upon the things that he has done, not just the things that he has said or promised, but what he has done that the American people experience for themselves, there's that facts thing. That facts thing. Go find the truth about anything to do with anything that's important to you. And don't be satisfied with anything other than the cold, hard facts. And if you do that, what you're going to find, compare Joe Biden and compare Donald Trump. And throw out the cognitive problems. But just on who they are and how they govern. Who in their right mind would want Joe Biden to come back again? And remember I said throw out the cognitive disability issues. I'm just talking about substance substance over symbolism. That is the oxymoron in American politics because over the last, I guess, five or six decades, maybe even longer, the political governing way has slowly evolved into, well, give them what we think they need to keep us in power. But what we're really going to do is very quietly behind the scenes do anything and everything that we want for us and our campaign contributors. Let me just look ahead and tell you something that's coming up on this show tomorrow. Do you know what dark money is in campaigning? Dark money. I'm not going to go into the details about it now, but Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, Sheldon is from Rhode Island. He pontificates every time he gets the opportunity, claiming, that Republicans are winning any and every election that they win because of one thing, dark money, money that doesn't show up in the Federal Election Commission reports that campaigns have to file. And it's done legally. 
And tomorrow, you're going to hear him drill the IRS director, the new one, about where they stand, the IRS, on making sure every Republican congressman and senator is abiding by and reporting and actually using dark money only in the legal way. White House has been doing that for years, just screaming and hollering. And what have I always told you here? If anybody in politics, any politician, it doesn't matter what their political party affiliation is. If they're standing up and screaming and hollering about something, don't look in their hand or their arm or listen to what they're screaming and hollering about. Look around behind them. They're hiding the truth of the matter. We're seeing a whole lot of that play out today in the Biden administration from top to bottom. And when I say top to bottom, president, vice president, especially the attorney general, the Department of Justice, the FBI and FBI director, Christopher Wray, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, Javier Becerra, who's the head of HHS, one after another. They're doing everything they can to cover up the dirt and the corruption that's just become normalized in American politics. As I said, late yesterday, Tucker Carlson got together with Devin Archer, and they discussed the content of that get-together that Devin had in that closed hearing with the House Oversight Committee. And Tucker just drilled in and asked him about a lot of other stuff. This is Tucker on Twitter with Devin Archer, former business partner extraordinaire of Hunter Biden, and by the way, a close friend of President Biden. Used to be, anyway. Here's Tucker and Devin. So you worked with Hunter Biden in a bunch of different businesses. Um, what were the skill, the specific skills that he brought to clients? Well, at the end of the day, he, you know, he had a career in Washington. Yeah. Uh, graduated Yale Law School and had a very big network in in D.C. and brought that know-how and understanding of D.C. and ultimately the Biden brand. The know-how. So as far as I could tell, he wasn't doing legal work. I Correct. Mean, he wasn't in the counsel's office at Burisma, right? No, no. So the the network and the Biden brand sounds like the, the kind of key component of Absolutely, what yeah. he was bringing. Yep. Um, do you think that he would have been in those businesses, not having a business background, without his father being in a government position? It's hard to speculate in, in those regards. I mean, yeah. I think when we initially met and, uh, and he talked about his advisory business, his business that needed to transition from lobbying to advisory and the interest in private equity, it seemed, uh, you know, it seemed like a new and interesting network for us to expand our business. Um, whether he could have you know, been in that position, it's, it's hard for me to speculate. Right. But obviously, the brand of Biden you know, adds a lot of power when your dad's the vice president. For sure. And there was a time maybe 10 years ago when private equity, maybe like AI now, was just one of those terms people throwing out, I'm in private equity. Right. But the mechanics, having done it, coming right. from a business background yourself, are kind of complex. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a complex business. Um, takes years of training. But again, there, the initial idea around the business, they were going to provide you know, the government insight and an additional network to raise capital and then you know, deal with regulatory issues that you might have at the corporate level. Right. Regulatory issues. Exactly. Okay. So that would be more his area. That would be his space. Right. But did he have a a sophisticated understanding of regulation, do you think? 
Um, I think that he led a team that had had a had a sophisticated. <laughs> Because I lived in Washington a long time around a lot of regulation. Also a very complex area. Absolutely, absolutely. I think there's, you know, you got to be an expert in knowing the guy, and he was the guy that was the expert in knowing the guy. He was an expert in knowing the guy. Right. And who was the guy he knew? Uh, well, he knew a lot of people, but obviously yep. there was some familiar, you know, some, his brother, his father, uh, yep. uh, some of his, his father's siblings. So he, he knew a lot of people. And, and obviously I know you're pointing to, you know, the father being the key relationship. That's well, true. no, I, I'm just trying to get a sense of like, Washington's not a money town. Right. You know, people don't aren't in business in Washington for the right. most part, and most people don't have business skills that I've noticed in 30 years of living there. Um, so really the business of Washington is is selling access. That's what it looked like to me. Yes. Not just Hunter Biden, but like Yeah, no, that's I think that's do. I mean, I think that's the one of the like core misconceptions. I mean, it seems like when I, you know, understanding a regulatory environment means selling access at the end of the day. That, yeah. That's how I interpret it. And I think that's how most people on, you know, on Wall Street, whether they admit it or not, interpret it. Yeah. So we're gonna, we've got a complex business that intersects with government. We need a guy who knows it. Right. How do I you know, deal with getting a guy a visa that needs to come over for a business deal? Right. Call our lobbyist that knows the guy in DHS or used to work in DHS or you know, in Customs and Border Patrol or the people at the embassy and state, they, they might be able to help. So there are very like tactical elements that are regulatory and compliance and governance that you have to go through. And you got to know the guy that right. worked at the old agency that now has the lobbying firm that can go back to the agency and, you know, get, get things put to the front of the line. So the reason I'm asking this is because it's not to give the Bidens a pass, right. hardly, but when people say, well, there's some question about whether Hunter was trading on his father's name, if you live in Washington, like that's the whole city right there. Right. I think you you know the answer to that. At the end of the day, right. so he had the best advantage to do that because of where he was. And, you know, we thought that when we went into business, this was a great opportunity for us. So I get it. And you're not the only one who did that. Right. There were a and lot of lot Hunter of Biden is not the only son of a famous government official who's right. done this, right? At all. But I just wonder, like, when you hear people say, well, it's kind of an open question. Right. About why they hired Hunter Biden. Like, that's pretty disingenuous, no? Right. I think at the end of it, so when you look at the whole, there, there are people that maybe were, you know, sons or relatives or brother-in-laws of other high-ranking officials. But I think what we ran into and with what Hunter ran into was like almost like an Icarus issue. So he got a little, it was too close to the sun. It was too right. good to be true. And the connections were, were too close and the scrutiny too much. Yes, and it ended up destroying. You know, he it left a wake of a lot of dis, you know, a lot of destruction in business over a number of years. So, how many? Um, it's been reported, and you have said that there were occasions when uh, Joe Biden would call in with clients present on a speakerphone. Right. How how many times do you think that happened? I mean, over a ten year partnership, I would uh, you know the number I'm going with is twenty. That's probably the 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 amount that I so a lot. kind of record. Yeah, a lot. So Joe Biden, who is very much a product of Washington, of course, must have known that he was calling in to effectively a business meeting that his son was having. I mean, he must have understood that 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 was kind of what his son was selling. Well, that's I mean, it's hard for me to speculate on that. (laughs) But like, I guess my question, just to keep it to the facts, Joe Biden, then the sitting vice president, knew that there were Hunter's business associates in the room. Yeah, I think I can I can definitively say at particular dinners or meetings, he knew there were business associates and he, you know, we, or if I was there, I was a business associate too. Yeah. Um, so I think, or if, you know, 
any of the other colleagues from the DC office or the New York office were there. So yeah, at times there were. From the, you know, to be, you know, completely clear on the calls, I don't know if it was an orchestrated call-in or not. It certainly was powerful, though, because, you know, if you're sitting with a foreign business person and you hear the vice president's voice, that's prize enough. I mean, that's 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 pretty impactful stuff for anyone. It's it's uh, been reported, and I I know that it is true that the Hunter and his brother were very close to their dad. Absolutely. um, Which I think is great. Yep. Um, I've got a lot of kids. I'm very close to them. Talk to them every day. Yeah. Never called them on speaker during a business meeting. That's weird. You've got a lot of kids. You're close to them. Do you call them on speaker during business meetings? Um, do I call? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is that? A grown man calling his dad on a speakerphone during a business right. meeting? Right. And to be clear, sometimes it was the call was coming in, and the speaker would go on. So it was. It's just the presence. You have to be. I mean, you're you you understand DC, right? So the power to have that access in that conversation and it's not in a scheduled conference call and it's a part of your family that's that's like the pinnacle of uh of power in dc a hundred percent i guess i'm pivoting against the lie that i'm hearing people tell with a straight face congressman goldman for example that we don't really know what was going on. really you're taking a call from the vice president and you put it on speaker it's not just hey dad i'm in a meeting with some buddies right it's let me let me put my dad the vice president on speaker yeah Yep, in the in the rear view, it's uh, it's a it's an abuse of soft power, I'd say. An abuse of soft power. Um, interesting. When did you meet Joe Biden? Joe Biden, I met the first time probably at the 2000 convention. I think yep. it was in L.A. and then Boston was 2004. So those two times, I probably shook hands as they made kind of the power circles around the. Yeah. Uh, you've been you've been to them. Through the through of the skyboxes, um, and uh, and then following that, really when our part you know our partnership started in 2008 2009 ish, um, conversation started. That's when I re met Hunter and actually had a you know sit down and meal with him and talked about the transition from lobbying into strategic advisory and then kind of a you know some type of coalescence around having a private equity fund that would have this unique access and understanding of a regulatory environment in DC. <laughs> Again, got it. To be clear. Um, how many times do you think you met Joe Biden during the course of your relationship with Hunter? How many times? Um, I should have this off the top of my head since I've been asked so many times. Uh, probably same thing, 20. So I got one last question for you and we'll do a much longer interview and get the entire story. But we, we found this letter Kind of amazing. It's from January 20th, 2011, which I think puts you in your late 30s, mid, mid to late right, 30s, right, right. okay? So you're, you're a younger man. This is from the Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden, to you personally, and it's personalized here at the bottom. Devin Archer, Rosemont Seneca Partners, that was your partnership with Hunter Biden in yes. Georgetown. Dear Devin, I apologize for not getting a chance to talk to you at the luncheon yesterday. I was having trouble getting away from hosting President who? Xinjiang, who's yes. running China at that point. I hope I get a chance to see you again soon with Hunter. I hope you enjoyed lunch. Thanks for coming. Sincerely, Joseph R. Biden Jr. P.S. Handwritten, happy you guys are together. So there are many levels here. But here's the vice president of the United States saying to you, a man in his mid-30s, who's not a government official, I'm sorry I was occupied with the guy who runs the world's largest country. 
I would much rather talk to you and thank you. What was he thanking you for? Well, uh, you know, first of all, it's a lovely letter and it was... <laughs> it's quite enthusiastic. It's a little weird though, right? Yeah, well, it was, it, listen, it was, it was kind of the beginning of our partnership and he was thanking me and thanking Hunter, I think, at the end of the day for bringing this idea of this government regulatory strategic advisory business into the private equity world. And I think he was excited about the prospects for Hunter and, um, you know, he was uh, just, just thanking me. I think it was a nice gesture. It was a nice, for sure. For sure. Very polite. It gets a 10 on the etiquette scale. But he's a vice president of the United States. And he's talking about foreign business deals with you and thanking you for that. I think, again, it it goes back to my earlier point. Yeah, I think I hit, at the time, I think I hit the jackpot in finding the regulatory environment or company that can navigate right to the top. But, you know, obviously, as time was told, you know, being a little bit too close to the sun ends up burning you. For sure. And and it did you. And Absolutely. You, you suffered greatly for it. And this is not a criticism of you. I, I would think as a business guy, um, you use every advantage. These are not business guys. This is the vice president of the United States. He's right. not allowed to be working on businesses with foreign governments while he's vice president. I don't think. Not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> but here he is. Right. Amazing. I don't know why all the crazy music at the end there. That, of course, was Devin Archer, who was in that closed-door meeting with the House Oversight Committee this past Monday. Tucker was the first one to get one-on-one with Devin. Um, The transcript from that get-together with the House Oversight Committee is out. It's 141 pages long. It is now posted at truthnewsnet.org. That's truthnewsnet.org. Net.org. It's actually, when you go to our homepage, you'll see a picture on the story, and it's actually a picture that shows, and this wordage is underneath the picture, Devin Archer arrives on Capitol Hill. And it says, the title of our offering there is, Devin Archer meeting, transcript is released, slash Congressman Mike Johnson, Republican of Louisiana, live on TNN Live, both attached below. So, the transcript from that Monday meeting with Devin Archer is already posted there. When we get off this show, we will post in full the transcript, not the transcript, but the actual interview that I had with Mike Johnson, Congressman, at the top of the show this morning. You'll be able to get both of those. And again, I apologize for the poor sound quality in that interview with Mike Johnson, he was not where he normally is because, you know, he comes all the time, a couple of times a month, and every time his sound is impeccable. He's an ex-radio guy, and he's very conscious of how he sounds. He was obviously in a hurry, and I know you understand there's probably one or two things going on there that are keeping him busy. Meanwhile, while we've been on the air, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has announced he is willing to open an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden if necessary. And this was said publicly yesterday. Now, the mechanism of an impeachment inquiry, here's how it happens. It constitutes a congressional probe 
that usually occurs before any potential articles of impeachment vote. In other words, get all the facts and the evidence that would back up taking an impeachment vote. If the House approves the impeachment articles, they're then conveyed to the Senate for approval there, or at least to go up and be determined whether or not the leader of the Senate, who was Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, he would have to allow that conversation to come before the full Senate. The Senate would then debate the articles and make a determination whether or not to pick it up and actually hold a trial of Joe Biden. Jim Jordan argued the powerful allegations against Joe Biden could lead McCarthy to open such an impeachment inquiry, a process that Jordan's committee would lead. Jordan is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, which is where impeachment processes have to initiate if they're going to have them. If at some point it's necessary that we have to go to an impeachment inquiry, I think he, McCarthy, this is Jim Jordan talking, is willing to do that. But right now it's incumbent upon us to get our work done and do what the Constitution requires. Jordan said McCarthy expects further investigation into the Bidens before launching such an inquiry. I think the speaker's been clear, Jordan said. We're going to do our work to get the facts, get the documents, to get the information we need. Last week, McCarthy floated the idea of opening an inquiry into Biden for the first time. He said this, you have to get to the bottom of the truth. And the only way Congress can do that is to go to an impeachment inquiry that gives Republicans and Democrats, by the way, the ability to get all the information. Members of the Judiciary Committee told Breitbart News they welcome McCarthy's signal. Though some members may oppose impeachment, like Representative Ken Buck, who, by the way, is a Republican from Colorado. The newly elected senator from Wyoming, Republican Harriet Hageman, She argued powerful allegations are surfacing more and more frequently against the big guy. With the revelations of the past several weeks and the increasing pace of new information leaning towards big guy being directly involved, it's incumbent upon the Judiciary Committee to immediately open an impeachment investigation. House Republicans should hold anyone in the Biden administration accountable for the corruption and blatant weaponization of government agencies in order to serve a specific political end? That's Representative Chip Roy, Republican from Texas. Jordan's interview came after Devin Archer, Hunter's best friend in business, and who also sat on Burisma's holdings board, just like Hunter did. He told congressional investigators that Hunter included then-Vice President Biden on speakerphone over 20 times, with business associates to sell the brand. That's Devin Archer's words. Sell the brand. What's the brand? What brand would Hunter have to sell? Certainly wouldn't be Hunter. Hunter Biden. The only brand anybody that can reasonably think of is the brand would be the access to then Vice President Joe Biden. Two of those calls took place with Hunter Businesses, Burisma, and BHR Partners Associates. 
He also testified that Burisma would have gone out of business if it weren't for the so-called Biden brand, which Joe Biden promoted on phone calls with Burisma executives. Now, that's something new. We didn't hear that. Oh, all those Democrats that were in that hearing on Monday, they said there was no business conversation. Devin Archer didn't talk about that. Why would Joe Biden promote anything on phone calls with Burisma executives? Question, right? He was Barack Obama, then President Barack Obama's point man to handle everything that went on between the United States and Ukraine. So why would he be having a conversation with those people, the executives from Burisma? Now we find out Archer's testimony produced evidence that implicates Joe Biden in this bribery scheme in which a foreign company, Burisma, paid Hunter Biden in return for the use of the Biden brand. I think the impeachment inquiry is really important. That's Marjorie Taylor Greene, representative, a Republican rep from Georgia. The impeachment inquiry will show the public even more information. It'll help get those Republican members that we have to the point where they will be there for impeachment, she added. It also gives the House more power behind our subpoenas. If you're like me, you know, these kind of things are necessary to talk about, but it sure makes me feel uncomfortable, kind of like, you know, something in my stomach that just doesn't go down right. I hate it when we get to this point. Why don't we, This here's a novel suggestion. Why doesn't everybody in Washington just do the right thing, say the right things, give us facts, give us truths, enforce every law on the books? Well, we don't like these laws. I mean, look at these federal immigration laws. They're abysmal. They're not helping these people from Central America that need to get into our country to get a better lives for themselves. Well, those that are saying that are the very ones that were part of the passing those laws in Congress. And there's this idea and this process out there that every member of Congress, House and Senate, has the ability to get into. And what would that process be? You don't like the laws? Well, it's your body, House and Senate, that passed those laws. Go back, readdress them, change the laws that you put on the books in the first place, or even if you don't want to do that, just take them away and replace them. Isn't that the way the Democrat process is supposed to work? Isn't that what Democrats are telling us that Republicans want to trample? And Democrats are the ones that are allowing their guy, Alejandro Mayorkas, to bring or allow and encourage to come here 5 million illegals in just two and a half years. That's how long Biden's been in office. 5 million. Every one of those people broke federal laws when they stepped across our border. And by the way, as I mentioned with Congressman Johnson earlier, when we spoke at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, Anybody that supports and gets involved in allowing illegal immigrant actions is breaking a federal law. Also, every time one person 
is waved in. And again, Alejandro Mayorkas is the guilty party there. He doesn't even try to hide it. First son Hunter sent a series of texts to his now former friend, Devin Archer, and business partner back in 2019, defending his family's name when he was pressed about them not stepping in when the Obama-Biden administration's DOJ arrested him, Devin, insisting the friend was a Biden, also in saying his legal troubles were the price of power. Text messages that were reviewed by several different news outlets show an awkward March 6, 2019 conversation between Biden and Devin Archer a little over a month before his daddy, Joe, announced he was running for president. Why did your dad's administration appointees arrest me and try to put me in jail? Now, this is Devin Archer asking Hunter Biden this. Just curious, he said, some of our partners asking out here. Why would they try to and ruin my family and destroy my kids and no one from your family's side step in and at least try to help me? I don't get it, Archer continued. And he went on to say he was depressed and curious because these Asians, appearing to refer to their Chinese business partners, CEFC, you know, that Chinese Communist Party-owned energy company, he said they were asking the same questions and getting in his head. Buddy, are you serious? Hunter responded, because there's no connection between the two. The same the Justice Department can investigate and prosecute this president and his family, it does for all administrations. It's democracy, three co-equal branches of government. You are always more vulnerable to the overreach of those equal branches when you're in power. Every president's family is held to a higher standard and is a target, Hunter continued. Where did this kid get this? And he's not a kid. He's 50-something years old. He said it's the price of being the most powerful group of people in the world. It's why our democracy remains viable. It's unfair at times, but in the end, the system of justice usually works, and like you, we are redeemed, and the truth prevails, the first son added. The unfairness allows for the greater good. Oh, my God. That makes me throw up a little bit in my mouth. They weren't three yet. Devin Archer responded that he was depressed. He loves Biden anyway, writing everyone other than the younger. Biden sucks, including them all. And your brother was with me, Archer added. I didn't realize it, but Devin Archer had a relationship with Hunter's brother that has passed away since from brain cancer, Bo Biden. Yes, he was, and I always am and turn the discussion around, Devin. Every great family is persecuted in the U.S., Biden wrote. You're part of a great family, not a sideshow not deserted by them, even in your darkest moments. That's the way the Bidens are different, and you are a Biden. Hunter's talking to Devin. In other words, Hunter's saying everything he can to try to convince Devin that Hunter and everybody else in the Biden family has Devin's back, when exactly the opposite was and is true. I can only imagine how Devin Archer feels about all this. 
Can you imagine facing that? And by the way, he's facing right now a year in prison, already convicted for embezzlement of about $60 million from Native American, a tribe. That may be the reason he's been so cooperative, not to try to get a deal, but he's trying, he said, to clear his conscience and to make things right. Hmm. Now, there's some really bad news out this morning about President Biden, and I know this will shock each and every one of you. President Biden appears positioned to benefit from massive sums, money, in other words, in undisclosed donations from the main outside super PAC backing his 2024 candidacy. And records are proving that. Biden's team promoted the Future Forward Political Action Committee, calling them the leading external group to rake in big money to help his candidacy. That's according to the New York Times, who reported that back in July. We're just now out of July, right? You didn't hear about this until today, August 3rd. At the time, Future Forward told the publication it had already raised $50 million this year. Records show that that money is presumably in its affiliated dark money nonprofit, Future Forward USA Action. And tomorrow, I told you, we're going to delve into exactly what black money, dark money is in politics and how it's structured. You don't want to miss that tomorrow morning. It'll take us about 15 or 20 minutes to give you the full explanation. But you'll understand where all this big money is coming from for all these politicians. And by the way, Democrats don't have a exclusive on dark money either. During the first half of the year, the Future Forward PAC reported just $67,000 in contributions. No big deal, right? That's according to a recently released mid-year financial report. The receipts came entirely from a vendor refund and in-kind donations from the nonprofit for staff time and overhead. So nobody thought anything about it. I mean, just a few thousand dollars. Future Forward's nonprofit, which hides its donors, has transferred tens of millions to the PAC for electoral activity in the last few years. This setup positions Biden's candidacy to get a boost from anonymous benefactors as the nonprofit sits on a big bundle of cash before the election ramps up. The same Joe Biden who once said dark money erodes public trust is now being propelled by millions in dark money. That's according to Caitlin Sutherland, Executive Director of Americans for Public Trust. It's this type of blatant political hypocrisy that the American people cannot stand. Given what we've unmasked about the foreign dark money bankrolling the left's political network, this raises serious questions about the source of the massive anonymous sums of money influencing President Biden's re-election. Future Forward's funneling of secretive donations could leave Americans in the dark, pun intended, about who is assisting the premier outside Biden's super PAC 
for the 2024 elections, and we'll never know. They don't have to tell us. This is a money flow, a campaign money flow that was created to skirt federal election commission rules and laws. And guess who created this? The United States Congress. They created this so they could have dark money, and these are not belonged by, supposedly, the candidates. They're not-for-profit entities, and therefore they can skirt the rules and the laws and give unlimited amounts of money to political candidates of their choice. A substantial amount of cash was passed through a web of nonprofits overseen by the Arabella Advisors Consulting Firm. And by the way, that firm manages a billion-dollar dark money network, $1 billion. These actions add another layer of secrecy that further conceals the original donors. One of the dark money groups, it's got a name, the Impetus Fund, had flown entirely under the radar screen. The Impetus Fund sent most of its undisclosed cash, $56 million, to Future Forward USA Action during the last presidential cycle. That's according to tax documents. Future Forward USA Action, meanwhile, has transferred $77 million into the Future Forward PAC. So you've got two entities, the Future Forward USA Action and the Future Forward PAC. That's made up more than 40% of the $181 million the PAC raised during this time. So after spending $141 million on independent expenditures the last presidential cycle, Senior White House Advisor Anita Dunn said Future Forward, quote, really earned its place as the preeminent super PAC to back Biden this time around. In 2020, when they really appeared from nowhere and started placing advertising, the Biden campaign was impressed by the effectiveness of the ads and the overall rigorous testing that had clearly gone into the entire project. Again, this comes from the New York Times. Tomorrow, as I told you, and I'll tell you again, the guy in Congress, U.S. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island, is the attack dog of the left for any dark money instances like this that Joe Biden is benefiting from and has been for the last couple of years. Oh, that's evil. We got to make everything be out front. And so here's the conundrum for Whitehouse. When he's asked about his dark money opportunities, he will not disclose any of it. But he can scream and holler. Remember what I told you? When they're screaming and hollering, they're politicians waving their hands, look at this, look at this, look at this. What is really important is what's going on behind their backs that they don't want us to know about. And we've got some more Democrat hypocrisy going on. As these Chinese-backed companies that we see happening every day, they continue to gobble up American land like a game of military-based monopoly, 
constituent concern at these places went by the wayside for Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The lockdown queen of Kovistan somehow re-elected in November of 22. Nobody can understand how because people in Michigan, we thought, don't like her. She has yet to quit sticking it to residents of her state, the Great Lakes state, Michigan. That was very apparent on Tuesday when the Chinese Communist Party linked electric vehicle battery company Goshen High Tech. They announced their purchase of 270 acres of land in Michigan with an added bonus of millions of taxpayer dollars grants from Governor Gretchen Whitmer. This is known as Project Elephant. Goshen's vice president of North American Operations, a guy named Chuck Thielen, released a statement Tuesday announcing this purchase of land in Green Charter Township, Michigan. It's about 100 miles from the nation's largest U.S. National Guard training facility. Completion of the land acquisition process is a step forward for Goshen Incorporated and the region as a whole, Thielen said of the trim-down purchase. We've listened to the concerns of locals and decided not to purchase two large parcels of land zones for agriculture use at this time. Goshen will continue to work with members of the community and our municipal, county, and state partners throughout this entire process. So, as was reported previously, residents had been pushing back on this proposal that would see two 550,000-square-foot production plants built on the rural Michigan land after Whitmer had okayed the $2.4 billion investment in October. Not the Michigan legislature, the governor. You think there's anything there that we don't know about? Just saying. The only apparent sign of acquiescence to concerns came as Thielen noted that they hadn't procured the residential and agricultural land that they wanted, but that they would be looking to get local officials to rezone it for industrial use so they could buy it at a later time. In his own press release, Michigan Representative John Mullinar, a Republican, a member of the House Select Committee on Strategic Competition between the U.S. and the Chinese Communist Party, announced this, quote, I will continue to do everything I can to bring to light the risk of this project. Mecosta County residents have overwhelmingly spoke out against this deal while they were being bullied and kept in the dark by Goshen and local officials who signed non-disclosure agreements that go against the public's right to know. The simple facts are that Goshen is a subsidiary of a company that pledges allegiance to the Communist Chinese Party, and it should not be receiving taxpayer money to build here in Michigan, he added. He's talking about the $175 million donation the Michigan Senate Appropriations Committee had granted through a 10-to-9 vote meant to help Goshen fund construction of their brand-new facility, which boasted it would bring more than 2,000 jobs to the area. In other words, Michigan's for sale. Just ask Goshen. On top of the concerns about Chinese control of our land in America, 
Project Elephant appeared to pose a potential national security risk because of its proximity to military armories located just 60 miles away and also to Camp Grayling. For our state to welcome CCP investment in Michigan, 100 miles from the same facility where the Michigan National Guard has worked with military officials from Taiwan, who is our ally over there, by the way, it's a dangerous double standard that puts national security at risk. This land purchase in Green Township is a step backwards for Michigan and our communities, the congressman warned. Already concerns have come up from similar land grabs like the previously reported 55,000 acres surrounding the Travis Air Force Base in California. While that purchase, for which the anonymous Flannery Associates were suing sellers for, alleged conspiracy to overprice, had not confirmed links to the CCP, another investment in Grand Forks, North Dakota, was... Last week, President Biden flew to Maine to sign an executive order touting his commitment to support domestic manufacturing in the U.S., all at this time while one of his allies facilitated a massive investment and potential spying opportunity for the Chinese. You think Joe just might be a little bit uh, overcommitted. Let's don't call it overly committed. Call it obligated to do these special favors for Xi Jinping in China. Finalization of that site plan, according to Goshen, it requires an environmental review conducted by the Michigan Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy. So while it has not passed muster all the way, looks like it's going to happen. And another big track of American land close to military locations of our government now will belong to the Chinese Communist Party. Put that one in your peace pipe and smoke it. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us or never washing our hands, ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity for the man who's in the process. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? 
not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, was, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Jesus! Supermodels! What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies, so losers. Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Separating fact from fiction. Arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The truth on TNN. Truthnewsnet.org. You know, one of the most troubling things that we're proving and seeing proven almost daily now is the massive amount of child sex trafficking that's going on across our nation and apparently has been for many years. We're not talking about dozens of kids. We're talking about hundreds and thousands of kids. Now, if you didn't know about it, and if you're not really clear on it, I strongly suggest you find a theater in your town or city that's carrying this movie and you go see it. Sound of Freedom, Sound of Freedom. Probably the most successful such movie that has come out this year based financially on its money spent to produce it compared to the gate receipts that are there. Americans have awakened to the fact that child sex trafficking is a really big deal. And what bothers me the most about this is mainstream media, instead of supporting the efforts that are revealed that have been going on for years in this movie to find and protect and get a bunch of these kids out of sex trafficking, instead of applauding that, corporate media or attacking those that are involved in it. There's an ongoing nationwide initiative partnering the FBI with state and local officials. And I think you'll understand, based upon recent interactions and things that have happened with the Department of Justice, specifically the FBI, it's good for me to hear something good coming from the Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray. But an ongoing nationwide initiative that partners those two with state and local officials has been proven to be a success. And we got some results from it day before yesterday. A press release with statements from both the Attorney General Merrick Garland and FBI Director Christopher Wray. It acknowledged the serious and exceedingly real dangers that led to identify and locating two Hundred victims at one time. That's from Operation Cross Country 13. Through targeted operations and collaborative efforts, Operation Cross Country achieved significant milestones in recovering victims, apprehending offenders, and raising public awareness about these heinous crimes. That's a statement from the DOJ. The FBI and its partners located 59 minor victims of child sex trafficking and child sexual exploitation offenses and located 59 actively missing children during its two-week operation back in July. So there's good stuff happening. On top of the combined 200 victims identified and located, 200 of them. 200. Think about that. Our babies 
the most innocent among us, being trafficked, sex trafficked, of the combined 200 that are identified and were located. Law enforcement officials managed to identify and arrest 126 suspects of trafficking offenses and child sex exploitation, as well as, on top of that, 68 suspects of trafficking through their partnership with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Talking about the success of this, Merrick Garland, Attorney General, said sex traffickers exploit and endanger some of the most vulnerable members of our society and cause their victims unimaginable harm. This operation, which located 59 actively missing kids, builds on the tremendous work the FBI has undertaken over many years to rescue minor victims and arrest those responsible for these unspeakable crimes. Human traffickers prey on the most vulnerable members of our society, and their crimes scar victims, many of them children, for life, FBI Director Ray said. The FBI's commitment to combating this threat will never waver. We will continue to send our message that these atrocities will not be tolerated. The announcement came just two days after the annual World Day Against Trafficking, where organizations like Operation Underground Railroad, It's a Penalty, and the newly launched Unknown endeavored to not only raise awareness about this plague of trafficking and child sexual exploitation, but to do something about it. Children around the world are suffering from horrific sexual abuse, many from the very people who are meant to protect them. That came from Tim Tebow. You remember him? Football star at at, uh, University of Florida and then in the NFL. He was talking about the launch of that new group called Unknown. He said, for my 36th birthday, it's my hope and prayer we can come together to identify and protect as many people, many children, as possible. This report from the DOJ also came just four weeks after the Angel Studios production Sound of Freedom was released in theaters based on the true story of our founder and former Homeland Security Special Agent Tim Ballard's efforts to combat global sex slave trade. Upon its release, the film starring outspoken Christian actor Jim Caviezel as Ballard was widely panned by leftists across corporate media, and they called it, I don't know where they got this title, QAnon Adjacent. I don't even understand how those two words work together. I know what adjacent means, and I know who QAnon is or was, but I don't get how you put that together. And they called this movie the stuff of conspiracy theory. It would appear to be a deliberate attempt to quash the success of the film and the message that it was trying to deliver. And I've seen it, and they delivered that message very successfully, believe me. Since then, not only has the film remained consistently in the top four or better at the box office, and that is going up against competition like Barbie, Mission Impossible, and Dead Reckoning, Oppenheimer, and also Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. This is an independent film that could, and it has managed to pull in over $150 million so far and held special screenings at Congress and former President 
Donald Trump's Bedminster, New Jersey club. That reality did not go overlooked on social media as commenters threw slams against Sound of Freedom and its important message that God's children are not for sale. They threw that back at the malign media. How could anybody, how could anybody except a sexual pervert or a child sex trafficker, how could anybody make such allegations? It's unconscionable. Every human being should be totally into this. Getting these kids, taking care of these kids, and making sure that they can get back to life that every child needs to have. And pretty much every one of them did until somebody decided, hey, we're going to grab you and we're going to sell you. We're going to traffic you to be used in some nation around the world, could be the U.S. Do you know that the United States is right now the number one spot for this world sex trafficking of children to end up going to where they're sold. And in almost every case, their lives are immediately destroyed. God bless our children. And God, take control of this sex trafficking operation. Open our eyes. The parents the grandparents, the other family members, and show us how evil this is, and it's got to stop. Thank you so much for being here. You have a great day. Friday, we'll wrap up the week for you right here. They've torn Portland all to pieces And let Chicago go to hell People leaving New York City like they rang the fire bell. They call themselves enlightened. They cancel those who don't agree. I wish all these folks who claim they're woke would just go back to sleep.
paying I'm just saying Have we all lost our minds? I'm just saying Where do we draw the line? No offense, but common sense The direction that I'm leaning Some of y'all think it takes balls To be singing what I'm singing But I'm just saying, I'm just saying What you're thinking Yeah, what you're thinking 